rescue op, save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? discuss minute 30 of Fallen Kingdom, 30 minute mark. Uh, before we get to that, David, heading over to Jurassic-pedia.com, we've got an article up here uh, by yourself on the bunker, the radio bunker we're here now, labelled 02-17. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is, uh, we get the name and the um, some of the backstory here from a schematic that had been released as a tie-in for the movie that designates it as actually having been built for the original park. I included here a picture, one of the production photos of the front of the bunker here. You can see how the rest of the radio tower was completed through CGI. Mm. Yeah. But I really, I just like the set, the set dressing here in general. It looks really cool, especially with this uh, foggy backdrop with the mountains. Yeah, agreed. It is it is a good shot just to show sort of what's real and what's not when we do get to the set. The base of that radio tower they used as a practical thing and filled in the top of it with CG. Mm-hmm. From memory, I do believe the base of this tower is the same tower they used in Lost as the radio tower there. They reused it because it was on Kalua Ranch uh, where this set was built. As you said, the way it's dressed, this this could have been on Sauna. We could have come across something like this in, mm-hmm. in Jurassic Park 3 and you wouldn't have thought anything different of it. Mm-hmm. And, just, and you just can tell it. that it was definitely something built for the original park just based on the architecture of it having that kind of trapezoidal shape mm-hmm. that all the original park buildings had and even some of the buildings on Sorna. yep yep and as you've got in the article here too one of many of these bunker type buildings around around the island with all the interconnecting uh, tunnels the the Walt Disney Park, what you see on tops, triple what's on, what's underneath. Uh, just the parks, the infrastructure underground for all the park employees and the, the parks themselves to operate mm-hmm. um, without taking away that, that magic of, um, in that case, Disney. But in this case, dinosaurs roaming around. There's no power lines. There's no water pipes. There's none of that stuff above ground. It's all mm-hmm. just underground. As I recall, actually... Um... I believe Disney World is something like two stories above sea level. And most, if you don't know, most of Florida is at sea level. (laughs) Like it's slightly above sea level, just enough to kind of not have the sea coming in across the island. But I I think like the highest point in Florida is like 100 feet above sea level. (laughs) It's not, it's not much at all. And that's well, natural. Yeah. I'm, I'm not talking buildings, of course, but like Miami is constantly being uh, fighting against the water just coming coming down the streets because, I mean, it's basically at sea level. <laughs> and that's we we brought up last minute about um, the ocean swells when you get hurricanes, and, that, and that's mm-hmm. why a lot of the damage is done to places like that and um, New Orleans and uh, that sort of thing where you do have the ocean rise so much. We had it. We we talked about it at the start of the minute when we had um, our technician jump off the uh, main street plaza there onto the 
um, helicopter ladder that the lagoon water was up nearly lapping at the top of <laughs> the top of that wall <laughs> where we know from the movie and even um, the establishing shots when the uh, Wheatley's crew get on board that water's back down six nine feet below the um, below the top of the promenade there so mm-hmm. even even Jurassic World was having some ocean swells in that storm at the start of the movie. And with the power out, they were probably not really... There was probably no filter control to keep the storm surge from going into the island like that, you know? Yeah, yep. Yep. Well, we assume that lagoon's being fed by inland streams and that that go further into the island, and yeah, that's going to mm-hmm. cause some issues. Uh, luckily, the Jungle River crew is, <laughs> the, the, yeah, is not being run at the moment. <laughs> But we talked in the Lost World about how much how much set, set decoration they'd done in the work of village in, inside sets, the operations building that. Some of the work they done inside this bunker is just, um, and you, again you don't really see it until you see some of the behind the scenes photos and that. But I'll put the photos up on the uh, on the website and that, but uh, no, the uh, socials. But just some of the interiors, interior stuff, the the lockers, some of the old park um, props, even the the vines and that sort of stuff hanging from the roof as well it just it takes me back to 97 we're in the operations building all over again with nick trying to turn the power on uh, and call for help so just uh just some updated computers uh, here so yeah a good article there for this radio bunker we're going to spend a little bit of time in for this and many more head over to drastic-pedia.com okay 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 we can system Tiger, you know what you're doing? After you, Tiger. Let's uh, let's talk about minute 30. All right. All right, minute 30 of Fallen Kingdom opens with vehicles arriving at the bunker and ends with the sleeping bunker powering up. Uh, as we end at minute 29, we arrive, arrived at the radio bunker, um, vine-covered building with the radio tower above it, uh, an anonymous mist or steam surrounding it. As the vehicles pull to a stop, uh, everyone climbs out and Wheatley crowbars a panel open near the bunker doors. Franklin's time to shine, finally. He plugs his tablet into the panel and starts to access the system. Meanwhile, we get a great shot here with Owen off to the side, looking out over the valley. A uh, spectacular view out towards the mountain range with the monorail on it. And this is where we can see some of those bones towards the bottom of the mm-hmm. valley. Uh, we know they're from behind the scenes. It's that brachiosaur that's died there mm-hmm. we'll just wait and see if we do get back to that in later minutes when Owen's running down away from the lava uh, which would have been shot near here so I don't know if we and at the bottom of this uh, when the, the establishing shot that we get of the uh, trucks pulling up we can see there's also a partially decomposed carcass of a tyrannosaur I'm not going to try to pronounce the name because I'm really not <laughs> sure how to, but yeah, I'll just say it's a Tyrannosaur. <laughs> mm. yeah. Nice. Um, uh, and then we get the sound of rock being pulverized and we uh, can be heard and Owen Slow turns to look up at the volcano and we can now see that it isn't mist that's surrounding them, it's smoke um, coming from that volcano as it continues to groan. And there's two small blowouts half up the cone. Uh, just fantastic shot, just looking up how close to danger uh, they are. One of, the, one of my favourite shots in the franchise right here. Just 
It takes me back, and I know a lot of people hate Crystal Skull, but just Indiana Jones walking up that embankment and seeing that mushroom cloud rise above him, it's a it's a great shot, even if yeah. he shouldn't have walked out of the fridge. <laughs> the, the sequence aside, it's, it's a great-looking shot. So I always also find it weird that Owen's not armed. We know that the island's not secure. The compound where they left from was... I know Wheatley probably doesn't want to give him a firearm because of what they've probably already know that they've been told to make sure they don't get off the island alive. <clears throat> but you'd think Owen would be asking, "Hey, where's my gun? I need a gun. I can help. I can I can look after us as well." Yeah, just found it weird. We haven't got his his um, forty five seventy back <laughs> in this movie, mm-hmm. and we've got no firearm for him here either. Even just give him a trank gun, <laughs> just something so he feels. Feels uh, like we protect protect people. But then back with Franklin, he's typing code into his tablets. Wheatley impatiently calls him Tiger and asks if he knows what he's doing. And the tablet beeps and the bunker doors begin to open. Uh, Franklin looks at Wheatley and retorts, after you, Tiger. So a bit of banter between the two of them. Uh, name calling there as well. Uh, once inside, Franklin goes to work on the computer. Zia asks, uh, are we sure the biotubes are still transmitting? Battery would be dead by now. And Claire responds, the dinosaur is a battery. Uh, they're powered by heat and movement, which... Okay, we've seen one getting pulled out of the Indominus when she clawed it out of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, fair, that was the tracking device. I think they, I think the battery... Or the... Um, no, wait... That would be the tracking right. Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Interestingly, I have a watch that's like that. It's got like a little gyro in it that it's powered by movement. Like your mm-hmm. wrist, like your wrist swinging causes uh, allows the battery to function. I'm not really sure how it works, but I got it for my grandfather, and I always thought it was kind of a neat little gimmick of a watch. Yep. No, it'd be like a little self self motor generator or something. All you need is a little bit of a magnet, something mm-hmm. magnetic moving past copper um, to generate yeah, generate the power to run the screen. I suppose if you you step it up a bit, you you would have had radios before with the wind up wind up arm on mm-hmm. the side. You give them a five or six winds and they generate oh, yeah. the power to to last for a while too. So yeah, I've got so, one of those emergency radios too. Yeah, yeah, same same sort of idea principle. There's something in there that, as the animal moves, uh, I don't know how heat. But I suppose you used to get those little glass ornaments with the little sort of like weather vanes inside. As soon as the sun hit them, they started to spin. Yeah. Um, from your scientific shops and that. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe that's heat as well. I don't think there'd be a little wind turbine inside the tracking transmitter. We're already we're already laughed enough at Jurassic World with how big that thing was inside the uh, Indominus and wondered if they size was uh, on comparison with how big the animal actually was or were they baby brachiosaurs with something that big sticking out of their shoulder blades (laughs) but we've talked about that before I said earlier like just how uh, well this this bunker set's dressed, Um, a lot of here most of it we don't see on camera but we get the old employee's handbook uh, which is a nice little touch next to this computer, and sort of ties ties what happened or what we see in the bunk here back to Jurassic World and even earlier. 
Uh, Franklin opens a laptop and we get a blue screen appear with the Jurassic World logo on it and a prompt for the employee to place their hand on the scanner. So I wonder if this would have worked with any employee. We know Claire's only there because she needed to get Owen to get blue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if this means that any employee could have put their hand on there to start the system or anyone sort of operates the tracker. I would assume any employee with the clearance to do so would, yeah. When, but like when, you said, when, they needed Claire because they also needed Owen. Yeah. Because yeah. they needed Blue. So yeah. it's kind of more scheming and ulterior motives than just a handprint. <laughs> yeah. It's not It's not like you're opening the embryo vault here or anything. You're, you're powering up the tracking system. It's not... I'm sure the, that young man that was in charge of the gyrosphere station probably had authorization that oh, he probably could do it as well. Like, it's not... It's not something that's a lot of responsibility just to start this system up. Uh, but maybe because it's not a daily occurrence, there would only be certain people that could do it in case of power failure or something to bring it back online. Mm-hmm. But impatiently, Franklin clicks his fingers to get Claire's attention and uh, says hand and points in the direction of the console. Again, he doesn't want to be here for any longer than he has to be. Uh, Claire walks to the console and places her hand on the scanner and asks how much longer until... And then her question is immediately answered by the lights powering up and the hum of the generators... Uh, again, great little power-up sequence, mm-hmm. much like uh, Nick turning the flick in that Westinghouse electronics switch in the <laughs> operations building. <laughs> and uh, no no lights pop, although that, that would have been a nice little callback if we got something pop and clear jump or something. <laughs> well, I think these look like they um, are what's those fluorescent bulbs. So The one oh, that popped yeah. was a regular halogen. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's LEDs in that here as well for... More so just to control lighting for set dressing and that sort of thing, and shooting as well as the stage mm-hmm. lights. So we mentioned last minute about the Oshkosh being used in production to move that explorer around and uh, helping production out. I'm sure nowadays you look at building a set, whether it's a spaceship, cockpit, anything like that, uh, your lighting, being able to control uh, your warmth, your colouring or your lighting, your brightness, all that stuff would factor in to help, help light the set as well as look look pretty as blinking lights in the background or whatever else. But yeah, as uh, uh, as the minute ends, Franklin begins typing on his computer and says, I'm in. So we won't get to see what he's in just yet. That comes next minute, next week. But looking at novel comparisons briefly, as Franklin works on the door, uh, Owen Claire and Claire all look out over the ruined park. Um, suddenly there's a loud rumble, and the earth shook violently again, showing us more of these tremors and earthquakes that I mentioned before. Uh, Franklin yelped and grabbed onto Owen. Uh, Wheatley smiled at his uh, panic and says, Easy Tiger, that was a small one. So maybe that was a delayed scene that we never got to see in this film as well. You said there's a there's 40 minutes or something cut. That could have been something. Mm-hmm. Uh, just again, Franklin being panicked. <laughs> uh, and then it's Owen that asks if the radio transmitters still have power, not, uh, not Zia. So again, a little bit of a change in the script there. But Dave, that's minute 30, halfway point for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. We have 15 minutes left, I think, on this island, so another 15 episodes and we're going to be <laughs> at Lockwood Mansion for the, the end, which is a, a big shame. I did yeah. like seeing New Blow again. But... And especially in this condition, like, this is the this is the kind of thing I like to see. I mean, it's just so wild and untamed, you know? Yeah, yeah, and we, we've mentioned before, like this is what 
a lot of Jurassic Park fans back in the day wanted the Lost World to be. Return to Nublar, see some of the old park infrastructure ruin, the animals taking over, the jungle taking over, and set our story there. Well, we got we got that finally here with um, with Jurassic World. We this is pretty much the Jurassic World trilogy's version of the Lost World, obviously. So we get to see the the ruined amusement park. Uh, it's just a shame we can't spend more time uh, more time on this island. Uh, but we know they wanted to get away from the islands. They wanted to get away from the secluded locations, just to go to old new ones in Dominions. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we've talked enough about that, Dave. That's minute thirty. Let's get out of here for the week. All right, sounds good.